I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Je suis venu vous parler d'Europe. Das ist ein guter Tag für Deutschland und es ist ein guter Tag für Europa. Brexit means Brexit. Du lytter til parlamentet, Altingets podcast om Europa. Sponsoreret af 3F. Velkommen til den her lille ekstra podcast her fra Altinget Parlamentet. Mit navn er Thomas Lauritsen. Den her ekstra udsendelse kommer til dig i anledning af det vigtige EU-topmøde om Brexit her onsdag aften. Det har nemlig givet mig lyst til at genudsende en vigtig samtale, jeg havde med Irlands topdiplomat i Bruxelles. Vi er mange, der venter på den her uges topmøde med ret stor spænding. For det var jo egentlig meningen, at der skulle komme en aftale om britternes udmeldelse nu. Men, 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 det er slet ikke sikkert, at det kan lade sig gøre, når Lars Løkke og Merkel og de andre ledere fra EU-landene i aften skal mødes med den britiske premierminister. Theresa May har stadigvæk store problemer med at blive enige med EU om betingelserne for det her. Og det største problem er stadigvæk, hvad der skal ske med Nordirland. Problemet er, hvordan man skal undgå at genskabe grænsen mellem Republikken Irland, der jo bliver ved med at være i EU, og så Nordirland, der jo er et britisk territorium og som derfor skal forlade EU sammen med resten af Storbritannien. EU vil have en garanti for, at Nordirland kan blive i det indre marked og i EU's tolvunion, også efter Brexit, med mindre altså, der kan findes en anden løsning, som forhindrer, at grænsen bliver trukket igen på den irske ø. Den garanti bliver kaldt for backstop, og det er især den, som Bruxelles og London skændes om her i slutspurten, hvor der nu er mindre end et halvt år til Brexit. Her i weekenden kørte forhandlingerne så fast igen på grund af uenighed om det her irske backstop. Hvis man vil prøve at forstå det her problem og den nervekrig, det har skabt op til topmødet, så er det en god idé at lytte til Declan Callagher. Han er EU-ambassadør for Irland, og han er dybt involveret i forhandlingerne. Jeg talte med ambassadør Callagher for en måneds tid siden her i podcasten om backstop, om grænsen og om frygten for, at volden i Nordirland blusser op igen. Alt hvad han sagde er mindst lige så relevant nu. Så jeg vil virkelig anbefale dig at lytte til ham for at forstå, hvad det er, der er på spil nu. Hør her. Declan Keller har startet med at forklare EU's betydning som selve grundlaget for fredsaftalen i Nordirland. Parlamentet er sponsoreret af 3F, fordi Danmark fortjener færre journalistik om EU. Let me just for a moment just explain to you what we've been doing in Ireland on the peace process. I'll do it very briefly. The Good Friday Agreement uh, came into existence 20 years ago. 
And the Good Friday Agreement was essentially um, a peace agreement of which the two governments, the Irish and British governments, are called guarantors, which essentially set out to create a situation in Northern Ireland and on the island of Ireland where the old historic divisions no longer existed. Mm -hmm. And that was done in two ways. Number one, by putting to the margins uh, the differing territorial claims. Um, so the Irish people, we dropped our constitutional claim on Northern Ireland, which we claimed was ours from uh, time immemorial. Uh, and the British repealed the act of the Imperial Parliament of 1920, which essentially partitioned Ireland. And instead, we have the Good Friday Agreement, which creates a new situation based on rights and based on essentially economic and political inclusivity with the divisive political issues uh, removed to the side, which, of course, also um, assisted in consolidating the end of the violence. Mm -hmm. So the point, the, the basic point about the Good Friday Agreement is that it's based on um, a total zone of free movement and inclusivity. Mm. And that was uh, possible because both countries are members of the European Union exactly. and also because in 1993, the single market came in. So essentially, there are no barriers. The border between North and South was a focal point for great bitterness, for great division. And uh, it is that that we need to ensure never returns. Mm. And it is because Brexit, essentially because it takes the UK out of the European Union, removes one of the central kind of elements mm. that uh, supported the yeah. Good Friday Agreement that we have to ensure mm. the return of no hard border. And what's being called the backstop right now is sort of an, a last resort solution, isn't it? Saying that Northern Ireland could stay in in the single market. Well, the backstop is in a sense a kind of all-weather insurance policy, yeah. as Michel Barney uses the term all-weather. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a good way of putting it. Uh, we would hope, and I think is also the view of Denmark, mm -hmm. that there would be as close as possible a relationship between the UK and the European Union post-Brexit. In fact, we regret that Brexit's happening, although we respect uh, the British decision to do so. Um, but the important point is that we have to ensure pending uh, the search for some better solution, if a better solution is possible, and we don't know yet, that no uh, damage is done to what has been achieved on the island of Ireland in terms of integration and the peace process. And that's why we need the backstop. So the backstop, in theory, would work like this, that it would ensure that on customs and on regulatory issues in terms of protecting north-south cooperation, the all-island economy and the peace process, that there would be an arrangement to ensure effectively no border, no barriers there. Mm. That's what the backstop is all about. Mm. Now, in the best of all possible worlds, if the British government were to agree to a solution, mm. for example, staying in the single market and customs union, that would remove the need for the backstop. Mm. But that's not where we are. No. So we have to have the backstop in the withdrawal agreement mm. um, as a necessary certainty mm. before we move forward on what will probably be quite a long process of finding out where the eventual centre of gravity lies mm. on EU-UK relations yeah. post-Brexit. We'll get back to the to the negotiations in a minute. I just need to help our Danish listeners understand that for many, many years now, people in Northern Ireland and in the Republic of Ireland have been living together. 
as if there was no border anymore. They've been living together, working together, trading with each other. Um, what is it, what's the danger if we get into a situation where we'd have to put up a border again? I think the danger would be that it would run directly counter to the whole logic of what has been achieved on the island of Ireland over the last 20, indeed the last 40 years, and to which both governments uh, have been committed. And again, I think it's important not to underestimate the value of joint membership of the European Union on this. Let me give you a very practical example. Ireland achieved independence from uh, Britain in the early 20th century. But from 1922 to 1973, when we joined the EU with Denmark and the UK, no British prime minister had ever visited Ireland. The relations were frozen uh, in a kind of post-colonial limbo, if Mm. I can put it like that. Uh, When both countries joined the European community, we found that our leaders and our ministers and our officials began to work together and in very many respects uh, had very close views on, for example, trade, on um, legislative issues, on single market, similar to the Danish views too, I hasten to add. And an interesting point that people don't really know, at every European summit meeting since the time we joined the European community, um, there has been effectively a bilateral summit between the Irish and British prime ministers in the margins of the EU summit. Mm -hmm. And this has happened through the worst times of the Troubles and has been a very important way of moving understanding forward. So the great irony is, is that when our relations between our two countries have never been better, when we have, in a sense, resolved or put in place the resolution of the historic problem of Northern Ireland. Now the UK is leaving the European Union, and in doing so, um, this is removing one of the core underpinnings of what we've been trying to achieve on the island of Ireland in ensuring no border Mm. and no barriers. So I hope that puts it in practical terms. On the ground, do you think there would be a risk of return of, of violence? Well, I don't want to to uh, kind of dramatise this. And as I say, a great deal of work is being done to normalise issues in Northern Ireland. But this requires constant care and attention, constant commitment at the political level. And I think it is fair to say that we should avoid anything which would complicate that search for normality. And I think you can already see in Northern Ireland uh, a degree of unhappiness, a degree of uncertainty, partly which has been added to by the fact there's no executive government Mm. in place in Northern Ireland at the moment. And uh, certainly this is not a situation that we would like to see uh, go unchecked. Mm. Is it your impression that we're blocked right now on the issue of, of Northern Ireland and the backstop? Look, I'm an optimist and I think that um, things uh, can move forward. And I think that Michel Barnier has very correctly uh, identified the formula for moving things forward. He has spoken of de-dramatizing the backstop because I think it is important to be aware that the backstop in no way changes the constitutional status of Northern Ireland within Mm. the United Kingdom. It is not a border down the Irish Sea, which is a term that we have never used, but we've Mm. heard used. Uh, And essentially, it would involve uh, addressing issues such as technical controls at the ports between Northern Ireland and Great Britain, which already exist because in some areas there are already regulatory carve-outs for Northern Ireland from the rest of the United Kingdom. For example, in agriculture, 
also in electricity areas and also on, on tax issues. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there is, we're not, nothing revolutionary is being proposed here. It's simply a question of building on what has already been achieved. And this is something which Michel Barnier in the negotiations with the British side in the last week has, has invited mm. the British to supply information on how their technical controls work mm. at the moment. Yeah, because some British politicians are seeing it as a, as a more symbolic thing, uh, that it's sort of cutting Northern Ireland uh, off from the rest of the United Kingdom and pushing it back into the arms of, of the Republic of Ireland. No, I, I, I don't think that's the case. And that's certainly not uh, the position of the Irish government. No. In fact, in any event, the Good Friday Agreement, which the backstop is designed to protect, itself sets out very clearly what the conditions would be if ever there were to be the issue of moving towards a united Ireland. And those conditions cannot be uh, sidestep, cannot be leapfrogged. So uh, this is not about um, altering the constitutional integrity of the United Kingdom. It's about protecting a peace process which uh, both governments are committed to protecting uh, the normality that's been achieved on foot of that process and also is very much in keeping with the tremendous support and commitment the European Union has given to peace on the island of Ireland over decades. Mm-hmm. How quickly do you think we need a deal on Northern Ireland now to be able to meet the uh, sort of October-November deadline on an overall Brexit deal? Well, the clock is ticking and the clock is ticking and that's because uh, there's a two-year period from the time the British sent in the letter of intention to leave. Everything has to be done by March 2019. Originally, the idea was things could be finalised by next month mm. to allow time for the European Parliament to consider these issues in any legal tidying up. But um, things, have, um, things have fallen a bit behind schedule. Uh, I think the answer to your question, the short answer to your question is we need to move on this in a clear way and quickly. Um, and just as I say, um, it's not rocket science uh, to get an agreement on the backstop. It's simply uh, something that is required to ensure that the fundamental aim, which the British have committed to fully, um, of avoiding a hard border, is enshrined and given legal effect in the withdrawal agreement. Mm-hmm. And we need that in the withdrawal agreement uh, to, uh, because uh, the withdrawal agreement is required before we talk about in detail about the future relationship. Mm-hmm. On the surface of things, this could look like an Irish problem. Uh, it's not only, as we've already uh, touched upon. Uh, are you getting uh, the support you need among the 27? I think one of the most Uh, interesting and I think actually I think um, very positive things is how the European Union and Denmark I include in particular in this has understood uh, the European Union states have understood very clearly uh, the issues and understand that member states need to respect each other's uh, core interests and need to stick together and I think the unity of the EU27 has been very strong I think it will remain strong. And as I'm talking to you, Thomas, let me say that we are very grateful and very mindful of the very strong Danish uh, solidarity that's been shown. One other side effect of Brexit, while I'm on the point, is that it's actually brought Ireland and Denmark closer together. 
Do you feel you get a particular support from Denmark? Uh, we do. We have strong support from Denmark because mm-hmm. we're both countries with a close relationship with the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both would prefer that Brexit had never happened. Uh, but we have to ensure that we protect ourselves in this new post-Brexit world. And Denmark and Ireland have common interests in other areas, for example, trade, where ironically, the British would have been the champions of the free trade group, but they've gone. So it now means that uh, Denmark, Sweden, Ireland, Netherlands and some other like-minded countries are now working much more closely together um, on, for example, trade issues, on legislative and regulation issues uh, than had previously been the case. We already had an excellent relationship, but I think it's, um, it's, it's brought us closer together in kind of slightly unintended ways too. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that Denmark is one of the countries that is insisting on the integrity of the single market at the moment? Well, I think that the integrity of the single market is something if you ask every member state to the 27, they would say they insist on it because the European Union is a legal ecosystem. One of the problems has been in certainly um, in some of the public media debate on this, uh, particularly from some of the uh, the British press, they don't quite understand that the EU is a legal construct, is a legal ecosystem, that there are constraints uh, on member states uh, because of their membership and because they accept the jurisdiction of the court and because they have accepted the rules of the game. And I think that uh, a non-member state wanting the same rights has actually uh, raised questions on the part of a number of existing member states. So I don't think it's a a specifically Danish or Irish issue. Mm -hmm. I think it's a broader issue among the membership of the EU. Mm -hmm. Uh, My last question, Declan, is since the UK is so very important to Ireland in terms of trade and your economy, and also you need a good solution in Northern Ireland, as we talked about, um, you might say, wouldn't it be better for Ireland if the UK were allowed sort of more leeway in these negotiations, were allowed to stay in the single market on their own terms? Well, I mean, two, two points on that. Number one is, um, as, as I mentioned in the answer to the previous question, uh, that's that's not, nor could ever it be, a bilateral issue. That's an issue having to do with the legal order of the European Union and the single market. But the other thing is, it's an interesting point, but um, in fact, um, the UK is, if anything, more dependent on Ireland and trade matters than Ireland is on the UK. Let me quote from a House of Commons report of the 1st of August of this year, which correctly noted that Ireland is the UK's fifth largest export market, bigger export market than China or Brazil, that the UK runs a £12 billion annual balance of trade surplus with Ireland. So, in fact, um, Interesting. The, the, the dependence is, if anything, the other way around. It's, um, we have diversified our markets. We have diver- we've built up new relations with our EU partners, Denmark in particular. Uh, and so we are in a constant uh, uh, pattern of in consolidating our relationship with the EU27. But in fact, the trade dependency, if you look at it, is uh, quite remarkable. uh, Ireland is, as I say, a far bigger customer for British goods and services than China is. Tak til Declan Kelleher, Irlands EU-ambassadør. Et interview, som man virkelig kan bruge til at blive klogere på, hvad den her uges topmøde om Brexit kæmper med. 
Det var som sagt en genudsendelse af et interview, vi havde med i podcasten for en måned siden. Men jeg synes, der var alt mulig grund til at høre det igen som en lille bonus. Fredag morgen kommer så den næste nye udgave af Altingens europæiske podcast. Jeg glæder mig til at sende til dig fra selve topmødet, hvor Rikke Albregsen og jeg vil forklare og analysere, hvad der er sket. Vi høres ved. Parlamentet er sponsoreret af 3F, fordi Danmark fortjener færre journalistik om EU.